And now the Dodgers down to their last out. And it's Kevin Lux, the 1-0. Lux in the air. That ball's hit well. That ball's back. Duggar on the track makes the catch to end the game. The win knocked it down. And the ball game is over. And the Giants win game three, one to nothing. Lux is beside himself at first base. He covered that completely in a state in the park. Kevin Barker, I, there is nothing else Gavin Lux could have done, is there, in that swing? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, what most a lot of hitters know because they, they've got that feel. They know what it mm. feels to create backspin. They know when they get it, even when they go the other way. Uh, you know, when you're running halfway to first, you put your right hand in the air like, you know, you're digging yourself a little bit, and and then the wind blows that in. This That'll tell you the wind, which they don't see a ton of it in in that part of the country a whole lot, especially in that stadium. Look, look, it's it's just what you play with. It's it's two good teams going at it like they were. It's again, one nothing. I is that what you expected going into that series, going into that night? You expected one nothing. I know I didn't. But especially who the Giants were were throwing the last two innings of the game, the young guy throwing a bazillion miles an hour with the slider. It's just it it's one it's one team doing what one team did all year and the other team who was at home well, didn't do what we all thought they were supposed to be doing. Jeff Passan had a great, a great tidbit on that line drive. That final pitch of the game was hit 107 miles an hour. It had a 22-degree launch angle. This season, on balls hit in that range and at that launch angle, hitters were 55 for 62 with 38 home runs. In other words, you hit a ball that hard at that launch angle, something good is going to happen. You're going to get a hit. 38 times you're going to get a home run. The Dodgers had four of those hits this year. All of them were homers. And as we mentioned, if you saw the game, obviously Gavin Lux, uh, Gavin Lux clearly, clearly thought he had one. Uh, Kevin, the Dodgers are down two games to one. And I think we're seeing this is one of the one of the Dodgers writers on social media said, for those of you in the East Coast, this is what the National League West race has been about all year. Right? <laughs> this is it. This is why you got one team with 107 wins and one team with 106 wins. But you talked about this going into this series. It was referred to on the broadcast last night. As good as the Dodgers are, Max Muncy's absence in that lineup is really telling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, just just last night, you look at Betts, you look at uh, Trey Turner, you look at Justin Turner, you look at Corey Seager. They were one for 15. One for 15 this time of the year is not going to get it done. I and mean, then you're you're missing one of your big-time bats, your home run leader, your RBI leader, stuck, stuck right in the middle of, of, of those four guys. Yeah, that's that's why you're seeing one-to-nothing games. It puts pressure on other guys. It puts pressure on Mookie Betts. It, it puts pressure on Corey Seager's of the world to to step up, get big hits when it matters. But also on the flip side of that, you got to tip your hats to the Giants. The Giants are getting it done. And and Gabe Kapler, look, after, after Gabe Kapler left Philly, did you, did you really think this was going to work out when he went to the no Giants? No chance. Absolutely no chance. not. Taking that philosophy, how he was doing it, the way he was treating pitching staffs and, and using his, his everyday players, did you really think this is going to work for the Giants? Now, obviously, he's had some surprises, and, you know, some older guys for the Giants have stepped up and, and you know, taking the bull by the horns and running with it, but it's sort of the mix of both, and, and they're, they're doing what they're doing. And, and, again, I don't know if they're playing with house money. 
but but it just looks like they're free and easy and they're they're not worrying about a ton. They're they're playing great defense. They're running the bases the way they're supposed to be running. There's a reason why they won 107 games. I want to I want to ask you this, you in particular this question because Farhan Zaidi, the Giants general manager, I was born in Sudbury by the way, but was with the Dodgers and when he was with the Dodgers, he was responsible for a, a part of his job was to look at other organizations and come up with guys that were undervalued so that's he gets a lot of credit for justin turner he gets a lot of credit for max muncie guys that other organizations had in their system maybe didn't know what 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 to do with them all right so now he's general manager in san francisco he's got lamont wade jr uh, late night lamont mikey Stremsky. Uh, other guys from other organizations. not, And we're not talking about pitchers. We're talking about position players here. I've often thought about this, and I'm watching this. Kevin, do you kind of wish that when you played, there was as much of this analytic, as it, there was as much emphasis on let's try to find guys in another organization who can do one thing really well and let's bring them in here and help. Like, I keep thinking of you. Yeah. You know, left-hand power dude, able to hit home runs, Good base runner, a smart base runner. You were you were a good athlete. You're a big dude, but you were a good athlete. Do you ever wonder about that? Like, man, if only there'd been that much emphasis when I played. You know, maybe somebody would have seen something and said, ah, look at Barker Swingpath. Yeah. Let's get him in here yeah. and work with him. I would have loved all the extra information. I would have loved it. It would have eliminated all the extra work that I would have had to do in the cage that would have told me if, you know, your front foot's this way, if you swing at this, if your bat pat's this way, that would give you a blank slate to walk in a batting cage and actually mm-hmm. work on that, be very specific with it, where now if you do it this way, you know half the time at least when you go between the lines, it's going to translate and you're going to have success. And you're going to stay in the big leagues longer. So it would have helped me as a player, and it would have helped my mindset. It would have helped everything that went into play of just trying to be an everyday big leaguer. Heck, yeah. I'd have been racing my hands saying, give me all the help you can give me so I wouldn't have had to be in the batting cage till 2 in the morning and trying to figure out all this on my own. So, yeah, it's just every time I look at Gabe Kaplan, every time I look at him over there, you know, with the glasses on, talking to all the everybody else that he talks to between games and when he's going to take the pitcher out. And is this actually going to work? And it's actually working. That's just it's a I don't want to say it's a giant surprise, but for me, it's a big surprise. Yeah. And I think it also helps. And look, I don't know if you could quantify it, but to me, I look at that team. And I look at guys like Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford in particular. Like Buster Posey to me is a guy that I, I this I I don't mean this to sound parochial. I wish Buster Posey had been had been a catcher with the Yankees in in, in a big media market in the East because if he was, I mean, people would be there'd be streets named after him. I think he's he's one of the best. He's one of the best ball players of our time. I think. Yeah, he's always for, for me. He's a calming figure for 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 the Giants and what they do and what they're trying to do. They got some guys that you never heard of that that are being put in situations that they're asked to do things that probably they're they're not capable of doing. And then you got the guy that's behind the plate that's putting the fingers down, mm-hmm. that's getting a big hit. He had a hit a ball almost in the bay to right field yeah. in, in in Giant Stadium. I I used to try and take batting practice. I used to see Barry Bonds hit balls one handed in the bay in, in in that stadium. And I used to be a guy's left handed who had tons of power who couldn't do that. And he's you know Buster sort of found his old man strength, right? Yes, he's, that's a great he, way to put yeah, it. Yeah, so yep. it's. You know, he's just exactly, I think, he, he's made it easier for Gabe Kapler to do his thing 
just just sort of being the quarterback on the field and and taking control of everything and and he's performing at a high level. Look, they got they got it all going, and and the Dodgers better get it going. Like they better get something figured out offensively to, to start stringing together hits and, and staying in the big part of the field and trying to get some big hits. If not, they're going to be going home, plain and simple. Yeah, and that would be – well, I, look, I was going to say that would be a surprise, but would it really? They're, the only team in baseball that could say they're better than the Dodgers is is up two games to one in that series. Uh want to talk about the National League series, the other National League series, very quickly uh, before we get to the White Sox-Astros uh, – that, and, and Ryan Tapera kind of putting himself in the middle of things there. Uh, Jock Peterson, another big pinch hit. He's had a couple of pinch hit home runs off the same off the same pitcher. You've talked about how hard it is to to pinch hit. Period. Just come in cold to a game, and, and basically you got to do something. You're not coming in to have a good at bat. You're coming in to get a hit. Um. When you see Jock Peterson do that, what goes th- what goes through your mind? Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, he's expected to do it now. Like, like he's he's yeah, he's raised right. the expectations level of whenever he comes to the game, something better happened that's really good for the Braves. That the, there's and he's embraced that. You, it's almost like you know, b- between having Anthony Rizzo's bat that he takes to the plate, between you know the Mohawk, I think that's a Mohawk thing <laughs> that he has going on. Uh, you know, he, just the, the way pearl necklace, which the I don't get the ways embraced everything that goes into just, okay, I'm not starting today, but I'm yeah. going to, something's going to happen when I'm in the game offensively at the plate. And, you know, he's, he's embraced it. That That's the first thing you have to do when Dusty was Baker was trying to get me to do it when I was with the Reds and he was always tell me embrace it. You know, don't try and overthink it when you're going to the cage. How many swings you're taking, whose bat you're using, what size bat you're using, how much it weighs. You know, are you choked up? Are you not choked up? Who you're facing? What's he going to throw me? When's he going to throw it? What's he throwing through strikes? Eliminate all that. Embrace it. Want it. Want the situation. Think along with the manager. And, you know, give Brian Snicker credit. He got, he's got to take a guy that's embraced it, that's really good at it, and put him in the biggest moment of the game. It's a lot of pressure on Brian. Because if you use him too early and you need him late, then you've messed that up. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's accumulation of a bunch of that things. And, and him, him being able to, to hit a, a three-run homer with two strikes, he did choke up. You know he's uh, he's a guy that that has tons of power that can go line to line. That's a big deal too. So, you know it's just you know a lot of that for me too is the Brewers are are not a good offensive team. The, you know they're almost an atrocious offensive team. They just really do nothing. Like left-handed, you, you know what what you have to do if you're counsel to take when you take your pitcher out to bring in a a, a Vogelbach mm-hmm. really like that's who you're choosing from a guy you know uh, who's pinch hitting who's hitting under a buck 80 who's hit a homer pinch hitting like you're 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 just you're guessing along trying to you know hope and pray that the guy that you do pinch hit brings comes in and has a quality of bat and gets a big hit that kind of thing but you know that that's a that's a series where every hit matters when the bell rings from the first inning to the ninth inning, it matters. And, you know, the, the quality of the base running we saw with the Braves yesterday is not very good. The, the, the tagging up from first base on a sack fly to left field uh, keeps you from scoring a run. Things like that can't happen. It's just that stupidity. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a – obviously, I think I picked the wrong team to, to go to the World Series in the, in the Brewers. I, I like their rotation. I like their bullpen. But offensively, just not a very good team. And I think the Braves have an advantage when it comes to that. And probably the Braves are going to move on. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I didn't. Uh, I will admit, I, I didn't do as deep a dive as I should into the Brewers' offense, but I thought their pitching would be enough to to get them past Atlanta. And you know, again, this is the Atlanta team that's without one of the best players in the game, and they're they're somehow they're somehow getting it done. And the other thing, I I, I was impressed with 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 Brian Snicker this time because uh, I, I liked you know. They're different pitchers. I get this, but I think he decided what what was it that we that, that we were told. It, I think you said this, Kevin. It's better to make to get the pitcher out one batter too early than one batter too late. And I think we saw that in that first game. He trusted Charlie Morton, which is understandable. That kind of came back to to bite him a bit. Different in game two with Max Fried. Yeah, I think look, he, he he made he made he made the right decision in 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 that particular game. Yeah, Craig Craig Council's a little different because offensively they they can get nothing going. They can't string together hits. You know, they're going to try and rely on a, on a bloop and a bomb because of the, the the rotation that they have, the pitcher out of the bullpen they have. They took out Peralta yesterday, who was dominating the Braves. Yeah, because they were trying to get a big hit with second and third, and nobody out, and then it didn't work out because you get Greg Vogelbach in the in the game. Like I look, he he. Council is is begging when it comes to who he's bringing in and when he brings them in, and that that's the fine line of do you ride your strength? Your strength mm-hmm. is pitching. Your your strength is not offense, and th- that may break them when it comes to taking out your starter after four innings. When you're when you're quite frankly, your strength is your starter. So the uh, White Sox and Astros were rained out yesterday. They will play today. Two oh seven is the first pitch on Sportsnet. The White Sox beating the Astros 12-6 in the third game of the series. A, a, a bizarre game. Pick a, pick a bizarreness. The Astros struck out 16 times. Uh, they That's their season high. This is a team that struck out the fewest times in, in the major leagues. They had a four-run lead in the third, and they, they, they couldn't make it hold up. Uh, it, it's almost as if a switch went on. Uh, with with the White Sox, uh, Yasmani Grandel gets a comeback going in the third uh, on on a, on a th- home run and a three two change. And Kevin, I thought of you right away, a home run and a three two change. But th- the storyline of this game in this series after the game, Ryan Tapera talking about the Houston Astros. Now you understand, we know of course the Astros had the cheating scandal a couple of years ago. We know that uh, you know. Uh, uh, Carlos Beltran isn't with the team anymore. Uh, A.J. Hinch was given a year's suspension. He's back with the Tigers uh, as manager. Uh, their general manager, Jeff Luno, is out of the game. And a lot of the players on that team, George Springer, players like that that have moved around, they still carry the stain, if you want to call it, of those cheating allegations. So I'll give you a bit of background here. And, and I think this is much ado about nothing but but these are the numbers the astros had 17 swings and misses in game one they had 15 swings and misses in game two they had 22 swings and misses in game three ryan tapera of the white Sox said afterwards that um you know he was wondering about the difference between the astros at home and the astros on the road given their track record lance kennedy can you play both ryan tapera's comments and Dusty Baker's reaction to Ryan Tapera's comments. Hey, Ryan, I was wondering if you could uh, uh, expand upon what you were saying earlier. They struck out 16 times in the previous two games, but then 16 times tonight. Do you think something else is going on still, or 
Is that just like a hunch given the past? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they've obviously had a reputation of, you know, doing some sketchy stuff over there. And, you know, it's just uh, we can say that it's a, a little bit of a difference. You know, I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to, uh, you know, the first two games of Minimate. But that's not really the story, you know. Um, we come here to play. You know, we're going to compete. We're not even going to worry about what they're going to do. Um, all we have to do is execute pitches, and they can't hit them anyways. Dusty, post-game last night, uh, Chicago reliever Ryan Tapera hinted or teased that the Astros are, are cheating again, specifically at Minute Maid Park. How do you, how do you respond to that? Um, well, um, well, those are some heavy accusations, you know. Um, I mean, we're about the same runs, OPS, and everything as we are, well, actually better on the road than we are at home. And uh, so uh, then I, I think they're actually better at home than they are, you know, on the road. And so um, no, I don't have much, you know, response to that other than I was listening to Eric Clapton this morning. And, uh, and he had a song, um, you know, before you accuse me, you need to take a look at yourself. You know what I mean? So that's all I got to say. <laughs> that is so vintage. Vintage Dusty Baker, Kevin Barker. Look, Ryan Tapera, and I think it was Martin Maldonado who basically sent out a tweet essentially saying thanks for the extra motivation. Look, this this was going to happen this, this postseason. This mm. is... George Springer gets booed because of it when he goes to visiting ballparks. You know Carlos Correa next year is going to hear it wherever wherever he goes. But I, I got to ask you, first of all, the numbers are pretty clear. The, the Astros, uh, I, I mean, if they are cheating, they're doing it on the road as much as they are at home. I just, I don't, mm. I, I can't imagine that you you would do it knowing how much Major League Baseball is 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 is, is looking at you. My question to you is, why would Ryan Tapera even say this? Like, we're already – here's the thing about that. We're already thinking about that. You know that subconsciously people are watching the Astros, and we joke about it all the time. Somebody hits a home run, and there's always a joke about uh, – did you hear a garbage can banging? Mm. A, a, a garbage can lid banging someplace in the background? I didn't. You don't have to say this. Why on earth would Ryan Tapera come out and say this? And how do you think Ryan Tapera's teammates – felt about that yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know if you're telling the rosa you 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 call ryan tapera in the office and say shut up just stop talking we we have momentum we have everything on our side uh our offense is back we're playing at home which we're a much better team we're we're under 500 on the road we're a much better team at home you see the black tails you see the people rooting for us you see them yelling and screaming how hard it was for the astros just to put everything together how we're feeding off that keep your mouth shut and Ryan DePere, all of a sudden, you know, I can remember when he was a Blue Jay telling everybody how scared he was to pitch late in games, eighth and ninth inning, and all of a sudden now he's coming out saying these, these kind of things. So it's amazing how a little solid year will, will make you a little louder in, in your talk. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, a lot of the times people like Ryan DePere should never be talking. 
Like I just, I, it just, it's, if you're a White Sox fan, why? If you're Tony La Russa, why? Like they're on a roll now. You know, the, the lineup's back. They got their, they got their mojo. It looks like they're back. Their bullpen is got swing and missed stuff. Their bullpen is obviously better at home than it is on the road. Like just go out and do your job. Say we're, we, we know what the Astros were about a couple of years ago. Now we're, we're trying to beat this team and going forward. How about saying that? You know, it's, He's a veteran guy who who you would think is not a rookie, who's not a, 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 a dumb guy. They'll just don't say things to give uh, the other team's bulletin board material. The Verdugo thing just stands out to me. Verdugo last mm-hmm. night for the Red Sox made it for a point. people who don't know, people who don't know, the, somebody, we don't, was it Verdugo took a bag of popcorn onto the mound when they were celebrating oh, I last night? I don't, I somebody took a bag of popcorn out to the mound. Yeah, so they obviously poking saw fun that. At, poking fun at the Rays oh. and how Randy Rosarina was sitting there eating popcorn. In the corner, I mean, God, he was sitting up practically, I mean, he wasn't in the corner of the dugout, Kevin. He was sitting where Vladdy and those guys usually sit in the corner munching on popcorn while game one was going on. Yeah, it matters. Like, it, you know, it may sound silly to us, but there's all these teams, especially these teams that have been there and done it before, who think the world's against them, like the Red Sox, yep. like the Astros, right, who who just don't need a little bit of poke in the in the gut and say, oh, remember, look at what Ryan Tapera is saying. That's my point. Like, I just don't get it. I just did it's ridiculous to me when you saw the way the White Sox were playing at home, the way they played on the road, the way they look now, the way they got a little momentum, and oh, by the way, now they're getting Lance McCullers Jr. because they had a rain out, and he's yeah. fresh, and he's going today. I I just, if I'm telling the roots, I'm calling Ryan in my office, and I'm saying next time somebody sticks a mic in your face, say no comment. End of story. I'm here to do my job, and that's it. No, I'm I'm with you. I found it uh, again ridiculous. I, I, you know what? You didn't. It's not like you needed to rally your troops. But the 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 real stupid thing to me is everybody in baseball is already thinking that. Yeah, hey, there's nothing to be there, there's there's nothing to be. And if you're gonna do that, you know what you got to do? You better come armed with stats. Like you better come armed armed with stats and say this is the difference. This is the difference. If you want to do that, is what I'm saying. If you want to do that. You better come armed with stats. Yeah, I mean, to me it was uh, anyhow. I, I just I I don't understand, especially that team, because you know. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in games, going back and forth. But Bark, we followed the Astros. You watch them for a couple of years. They do feed off that. They do feed off the everybody thinks we're a bunch of cheaters and we haven't won legitimately. You know they do. They talk about it all the time. Yeah, well, they've they've earned they've earned the 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 poking. They've earned the sure to say they they're cheaters because they were they cheated. That's they banged the trash can. They're plain and simple. But you don't need a a a bullpen arm uh, telling everybody that that's what they think they're doing. Beat them. Like if you think that's the way it is, the easiest way to rub it in their face is to beat them. And when the yep. series is over, you can go out there and, and hold a trash can up and stand on the mound and and do it that. Like it just, I just don't get it. Like it's. I, I would think if you if you right now walked up to Ryan Tapera and said do you do, do you feel confident in saying that now he'd probably say it's probably not the smartest thing I ever said. Yeah, it was uh, just an incredible example of being of being tone deaf. I think that's I'm with you. It, 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 I'm with the very you. least. Just don't get it. Very least. No, you don't don't you just don't need to you don't need to poke the bear. Absolutely. Especially, especially when, as I said, everybody else is already doing it for you. Yeah. It's just it, it's. It, 
there was nothing to be gained by it. The Boston Red Sox are the first team to punch their ticket through out of the first round of the playoffs. As we all predicted, the Red Sox beating the Tampa Bay Rays still have a hard time. Deal with it. I I I will deal with it. Turn the lights off, lock yourself in a room, and give yourself five minutes to move past it. Uh. Rob Bradford of WEEI covers the Red Sox. He's also part of their radio crew. Rob Bradford joins us next. We'll talk about the spunky Red Sox, the plucky Red Sox, the little engine that could, the lovable Red Sox. Stop it already. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, so as we all predicted, the Red Sox raise is the first series to come to conclusion. I don't hear no raise up, buddy. Where'd that go all of a sudden? Huh? What happened? Huh? What happened? The little engine that could puttered out, didn't it? Wow. <laughs> uh, I defy you. Uh, to not agree with me that you were thinking after game one this was going to be a sweep. It smelled like a sweep, the Rays and Red Sox. Yeah, I did. It smelled I, but, like popcorn, but, but I it did, also smelled like a sweep. It did, but I also I also did say if J.D. Martinez comes back and he's somewhat healthy, we, we talk about bookends in, in the Blue Jays lineup a lot. Schwarber and J.D. Martinez seems like the bookends when they're facing that certain kind of pitcher to just make everything go. And... When you have those those competitive professional at bats, it makes it harder on everybody to to pitch around certain guys in that lineup. You know they're they're almost impossible to pitch to. Mm. Yeah. Well, the Red Sox have advanced to the American League Championship Series, the back to back walk off wins uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays, and that kind of raises a question that I'm going to ask of our next guest, Rob Bradford of WEEI. Rob, as always, we appreciate your time. I'm going to give you a very simple question. How much of what we have seen in that first series was, one, we overrated the Rays, two, we underestimated the Red Sox, or three, that's baseball, Susan. How much of it was, uh, how much of it was, where do you land on that, that spectrum? Is this where I'm supposed to say the great game of baseball was a real winner today? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'll start with the Rays. I think one of the things that we have to factor in is that they didn't play all that well in September. And, and you know, sometimes that really comes back to bite teams. They're also that that element of you're running out these relievers and these bullpen arms so much that, you know, at some point it's going to come back to, to bite you a little bit. And unfortunately for them, it came back to bite them in the, in the form of this guy, McClanahan, who is just was this lockdown rookie, you know, it's not a good idea to bring him back on three days rest in the playoffs. And after, after Colin McHugh has gone two two really good innings. So I think that dynamic came back to haunt him like it did, honestly, you know, the Nick Anderson the thing the year before. I mean, he, his arm was falling off. So I think that that is a part of it. Um, and, and also, I had Xander Bogarts tell me this, Nick Pavetta tell me this last night. They said 
once they beat the Yankees, that's when they actually they can admit it now that they felt, okay, you know, we can do this. We can make a run. Because up until that point, you're, you're squeaking by in the Orioles and you have to beat the Nationals and, and you're up and down. And, but once you beat the Yankees in that one-game wild card, basically a seventh game, you feel like you can do it. Okay, Verdugo came out last night after the game and, and basically said the popcorn and, and the champagne that they were buying when they got to Boston, meaning the Rays, gave them a little fuel in the clubhouse. Is there something to that? Yeah, I mean, this team, Kevin, this team uses that type of stuff. I mean, they do, and they're pretty good about not admitting to it. But, you know, Kike Hernandez told me after the Yankees game, you know, about the whole they, they picked the Blue they picked the playoffs instead of the Blue Jays. You know, what, like they say, you get what you deserve or you get you what, don't be careful what you ask for, something like that. And that, you know, that type of stuff is all over the place with this team. And we've heard, we, we kind of laugh at it as writers, almost every Zoom call we've had, nobody believed in this, nobody believed in this. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, your over-under was 80 wins. You have a case, but when you were in first place for half the year, we kind of believe that you might be pretty good. So, uh, but they, you know, they use it. Uh, you listen, this area knows about the Patriots. The Patriots were rolling over teams for a decade, and every single week they would find a way to say no one believed in it. So, you know, good for them. Uh, your article on the, the celebration, the, the, the article up in WEI.com and the website right now, kind of, you know, raised some interesting points about the difference between this Red Sox team in 2018 and, two, and, and 2013. And, and just, uh, I think it's Will Middlebrooks talking, uh, talking in your column about, you know, there were a lot of guys in that team who had 10 years in the big leagues. And his point here. And I love this quote. There are so many guys here who have never won anything, like high school, college, minor leagues, and now they are a series away from the World Series in the big leagues. That That is pretty remarkable when you look at this roster, isn't it? It is. It's, it's completely different in 2013. That was a bunch of 30-somethings. You look at 2018 – you know, that was a team that was – it was more talented, let's be honest. It was just more – They had 108 talented. wins, didn't they, in the regular season, yeah, that team? 108 wins. And, and you know, you had a, a starting pitching staff where you had, you know, for, for all their, their individual flaws, you know, you did have David Price. You had Chris Sale. You had Rick Porcello. You had Eduardo Rodriguez. You had – you know, so you had these, this group of veteran guys and, and you had Craig Kimball as your closer. This year has been trying to fly a little bit. And, and, I, and I do think, you know, in my point of the whole column was, you know, and you, you guys have seen these celebrations before. They're, they're slightly different here and there. But, you know, for winning the division series, I did not expect that type of emotion. A guy like Tanner Houck couldn't speak. He was so emotional. You know, you have Garrett Whitlock standing by himself looking around because he said he wants to soak this in. I mean, you, you want to say to him, like, that's great. It's a division series. You know, let's go. I mean, like, <laughs> Rick Porcello cried after winning the World Series. Like, I get that. But, I, but then you start thinking about where they came from, what they had to overcome. You know, Alex Core, what he had to overcome and, and his whole deal. And then you know, it was just, it was a different, different scene to me. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming that Nathan Avaldi's getting the first game of the CS. What's the rest of the rotation look like? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so, 
you know, I, I'm guessing, and it's a complete guess, I, I'm guessing they're going to go with Sale, number two. And, the, you know, listen, he was warming up last night. I would have liked to see him get in at some point over the last two days because I feel like he has to get in and say, all right, you know what, I can get guys out. I can get good teams out. Because he's had had moments since he's come back where he's been really, really good, and I thought he'd be good in the playoffs. But at the same time, you know, you, you're, you're rolling the dice with him when you throw him out there. But, guys, the fact of the matter is they can't win what they want to win without Chris Sale pitching well at least once. It's just not possible. So I think that you're going to see Sale, and then it'll be interesting to see how they use Pavetta and Hauk because those two guys, have just been absolute weapons out of the bullpen in that last series. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine <clears throat> that at some point today, hopefully after they've whatever hangover is lingering is cleared, this is maybe the first opportunity, Rob, that this team has had to take a breath in a long time, isn't it? Because, that, I mean, to me, that's the beauty of the wild card thing. The Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Jays were playing playoff games for three weeks in a row. They, they were. It was just you were living and dying with every out. And and I'm wondering if maybe that reset, maybe it, it was important. Maybe things are kind of going the Red Sox way because the Houston-Chicago series, you know, the rain out helped. And I don't know, maybe Chicago wins another game and maybe that goes another couple of days. And I, 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 I'm just wondering if maybe that this is the fact that this is the first opportunity some of these guys have have had to, to just take a breath if, if it's not going to be really good for this team and really set them up going forward. Yeah, I think it's a great point and, and one that sort of maybe we haven't reflected on enough because everyone's like just looking for the next game at Fenway Park because it's been so crazy. But, you know, within that story you mentioned, Tanner Houck said it's been an exhausting 48 hours. And it is. I mean, you, you, you're riding the wave of, of winning these games, but they weren't easy games to win. And, you know, you have the crowd on top of you. Even though it's good for you, it's still an exhausting thing. So I, I think you're absolutely right. These couple days will be great for them. And I do think that both these teams are going to face are more talented. I, listen, I think that the Red Sox are probably the least talented team of the bunch, including the Blue Jays. So, but I, but, you know, I don't think they have the talent across the board that the White Sox and Astros have. But I do think this is that they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And how many guys, you have seen this, how many times have we seen this where – you know, a team, a talented team that starts feeling good about themselves catches a wave a little bit, and, and that's sort of how it feels right now. Is Devers hurt, or is he playing possum? No, no, no he's hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's – yeah, well, okay, so we never know about pain thresholds, right? Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous thing. Um, but all I can tell you is this. Some of these swings that he's had where he's let go of the bat, we've never seen that. We've never seen him do anything close to that. And they're saying, like, well, it hurts more when he swings and misses than he, when, he sw- when he hits the ball. Yet then you have a swing like last. You have a couple swings like last night, and you're like, that doesn't look like anybody's hurt. No. Nope. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> and so – but I, I will, you know, I talked to him briefly after the game last night. He, you know, he, he wouldn't say what the injury was, but he said he's dealing with it. Once again, we don't know pain thresholds. We don't know how different things affect different guys. I, let's just say this. He's not 100%, but he's good enough where he can hit home runs. So there you go. <laughs> uh, last question uh, from me, Rob. 
who gets credit for Garrett Whitlock? Oh my goodness, Brian Cashman. It's <laughs> 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 you know the Garrett Whitlock story is so fascinating because number one, you know, you, when do you get a Rule Five guy who becomes your closer in the postseason? And then, by the way, you know, has oh, you know, it's a tie game against one of the best teams in baseball. You get a runner on second, nobody out. Make sure they don't score a run. Okay, I'll go out and do that, even though I'm a, I'm a Rule Five guy. But you know, it was a long process. You know, they they identify. In short, they hit the sweet spot with Garrett uh, Garrett Whitlock, because what happened was he was coming off Tommy John. He was pitched in Double A. He was coming off Tommy John surgery. Then you had then you had the the year where you minor leaguers didn't play, so no one saw him play except on an Instagram post. And the Yankees supposedly have this great farm system, and they have so many players that it, it's not worth protecting Garrett Whitlock. And you know I get it because he hadn't pitched; he's coming off Tommy John surgery, and then he has a, he comes off Tommy John surgery like a lot of guys better, and. Then he listens, he learns, he learns a, a changeup from Matt Andrees in spring training. You know, he brings back his slider in the middle of the year. Like, all of it, it was just a perfect storm, and, and they just hit the sweet spot with him. But all that said, I haven't seen a rookie like this in a long, long – forget about Rule 5, a rookie like this with a demeanor, with the attitude, with the talent in a long, long time. I mean, this is guy – put it this way – this guy would be their top prospect, not even close. Um, but we just view him as a Rule Five guy. Yeah, it is. It is, <clears throat> it is a remarkable story. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, anytime, guys. Once again, game of baseball, the real winner. All right, thank <laughs> Absolutely. you. <laughs> Take care, Rob. It's Rob Bradford of WEEI, uh, and it was a combination of both. I think we did we. We well, we clearly under. I, I mean, I'm putting my hand up here. I clearly underestimated uh, the Boston Red Sox, along with a lot of other people. I don't know if I really overestimated the Rays. I will say that I, uh, I think I really overestimated Brandon Lau. <laughs> I thought Brandon Lau, this was going to be a you know big series for him, kind of almost a almost a, a series where he emerged. From the postseason shadows, but a lot of it's baseball too. You know, I get back to that play with 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 Hunter Renfro that that cost them that cost them a run. Um, but man, you look at this team and trying to compare it to other World Series teams that the Red Sox have had. It's true. It's not it's not a bunch of broken down veterans. It's not a bunch of guys who were getting one last last kick at the can. It's not an uber talented team. It's a bunch of guys who are just kind of there. And Garrett Whitlock, to me, I mean, Bart, you've watched this guy pitch, and you talked about him a little earlier. I don't know how an arm like that gets through an organization. Even with, even with, even with, with uh, Tommy John and all, and, and, you know, a lack of a year of the minor leagues last year. My God, there's so much now that we know about pitching, so much organizations have in the way of video and analytics and stuff like that. I don't know how the hell you pass up Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, well, m- m- maybe maybe different organizations would, would have went about him a little bit differently than the Red Sox did. He, he has a, a, a high-velocity moving fastball with a changeup and can and can eliminate people with a secondary pitch. That's yeah. well, to, to be able to have that in the highest leverage situations – 
with a guy, you know, in Alex Cora who has a ton of respect and demand and confidence and everybody he brings in. That, that's the first thing you notice with Alex is it, it, the confidence. He's just oozing confidence when he hands the ball to the guy coming out of the bullpen. And if I'm a player on that team, that, that's first and foremost, that your manager has confidence in who you are, what you can do, and knows that when he hands the ball to you that you're going to get it done. That's a huge deal. You pointed that out in game one of that playoff series against Tampa. There was a shot of Alex Cora on the top of the dugout getting ready to make a pitching move. And you pointed out afterwards about how about the look in his face and how it was, I'm not coming out to rescue you. I'm coming out because I think I got a guy who's got better stuff or is better than you right now to get the job done. I, I, that makes a big... You never get the sense. This is I don't even know how I'd explain this. But you never get the sense that Alex Cora is managing like his hair's on fire. You never get the sense that it's panicked. You know, look back now, that Sunday game against Washington, he had Eduardo Rodriguez in there. He had Nick Pivetta in there. And we're mm-hmm. all saying there's no way in hell that's that's necessarily going to work out. But I think his hand was forced because Chris Sale didn't have a good start. And now... If if I'm the Red Sox, Kevin, and and Chris Sale doesn't have a good start, or Rodriguez doesn't have a good start, and I see him going to Nick Pavetta in the third or fourth inning, I'm going all right. Let's get after this. Yeah, I guess I I think that depends on a lot, lot where the series is at. If that's the first couple of games, I kind of put pressure and and a lot of weight on everything else has to do with your rotation, your bullpen. You, you, you got to make up for for lack of innings from a guy that you're expecting in, for innings from in Chris Sale. That the, the X factor might be him, but it's I I, I just think well, look you got to find one more guy besides Yavaldi, don't you? There there has to be one more guy who gives you six. Yeah, now, and Eduardo Rodriguez throwing hard yesterday. Why was that? Why was he throwing harder? Was, was it a little bit of rest? Was it what was it confidence? Was it the atmosphere being at home, what was it? The moment wasn't too big for him. I don't know. Was it finish? Was it mechanics? Was it mm-hmm. arm speed? I don't know, but he's throwing harder. And I know that little bit of throwing harder makes the change up that much better. Uh, it makes uh, a hitter have to open up the front side, get it going a little bit sooner, allows him to not have to be as fine with secondary pitches. And that's what it's all about this time of the year. And I, I just, I, I remember when the Blue Jays, uh, everyday players early in the season, Buffalo, uh, Dunedin, when the gate opened and they were running out of bullpen arm, you could see, ah, oh, here we go again. And you could see it <laughs> in the in the everyday guy's eyes. Well, you're starting to see a little bit of the with Red Sox. When Cora goes to a guy, well, he's going to him for a reason. We're buying in. Yep. He must be getting it done. It's just that I don't want to say it's the next man up because that's 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 not the right way to say it. But it is, you know, you gotta have a leader, and there's no doubt. Right now, from what I'm seeing, past the side with Alex Cora, the leader is Cora. Yeah, let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's say that the Houston Astros beat Chicago. Ooh. And the ALCS is the Astros and the Red Sox. Now, you've got one ballpark has the Crawford boxes. Another ballpark has the Green Monster. Explain... If you could, the impact of those two specific areas of the ballpark on a hitter. In other words, you're standing at the plate, Fenway Park. You could be lefty or righty. 
you see the green monster. You're standing the plate at Minute Maid. You see the Crawford boxes. Now, if me, if I'm a right-handed hitter, I'm seeing Crawford boxes. I'm just thinking pull, 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 pull. It, it, tell me how hitters would view those two things, because those are kind of those are the two signature areas of each ballpark. You talk to players about Minute Maid Park, they talk about the Crawford boxes. You talk about Fenway, yeah, it's the pesky pole, but it's also the Green Monster. Mm, that, that for me, the Green Monster goes almost to center field. The Crawford box doesn't. Like you, if you're say you're a left-handed hitter and you're trying to hit at the Crawford box, uh, to, to say that you have to be almost mechanically perfect and get the perfect pitch to be able to do that. It's an understatement. Like, it, it's just a very small target to aim for when that green monster is so big and so long that I can, you know, be a little out in front and still hit it off that wall. I can be a little late and still hit it off that wall. You can't do that in a Crawford box. So there's, to say there's advantages for both lineups, that's, for me, not the so same. So the Crawford box doesn't invite a hitter. Absolutely. You're standing up there. It's not, oh, boy, I got to put it's a small one target. there. It's a small target. It's, okay. not, it's not as long. It's not... You know, there's there's not a whole lot to shoot for if you're a right-handed hitter. If you're not a pull hitter and you go to Houston, you know, that Crawford box means nothing to you. Like, That's absolutely true. nothing. Like, it's if you're a left-handed hitter who can't go the other way, that Crawford box means absolutely nothing. But if I'm a left-handed hitter at Fenway and I'm, I, and I'm a guy that can't go the other way, as long as that fence goes to almost center field, I can still miss hit a ball to, to left center and still get rewarded for that because I don't have to hit it as far. I don't have to hit it, you know, as solid to be still rewarded for that. So it's it's different for for both sides. I, I just think for me, if you if you want both lineups, you want, you know, all that goes into sideshows. I want I want Astros Red Sox. Like I I I I, I, I invite that. I, I people Ooh. will tune into that. I, I just want to hear it. People talk about it. Are all the series going to be over today? You think? Uh. I, I think Dusty's gonna he's gonna manage this thing with Lance McCullough Jr. like it's Game Seven. He's gonna empty the tank. He's gonna do everything possible to to not have this thing go to Game Five. Uh, it's so the answer to that first one. Yeah, I think so. The 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 Braves. I don't think Milwaukee can hit. I, I, yeah, I just don't. I just don't think they can string together enough at bats to to be productive offensively. Defensively, they're a good defensive team. Yeah, I think the Braves have an advantage there. Uh, yeah, I, I still see. I still think the Braves Brewers will go five. Mm-hmm. I think the White Sox Astros is over today. Yeah, and then Giants and Dodgers. Maybe we... Giants to Dodgers. I think that's going five. Yeah. So yeah, the I, so I, to two out of the three are going five. The White Sox Astros. I I, I you know sometimes I think you got to watch what you say to para. And that that opened a little bit. I, that's Rob mentioned it. It's been mm-hmm. said by players already that that matters. So I'll take their word for it and say that they gave them a little bit of a little bit more fuel. Little, you know, Lance McCullers Jr. might have the the slider a little bit more. He might have a little bit more command of that. I just I just think I I think it's for me the advantage today will be Astros because of the day off lined up Lance McCullers mm-hmm. Jr. and Tapera's mouth. <laughs> There you go. It lined up Lance McCullers Jr. and gave Tapera. It gave an extra day for Ryan Tapera's stuff to percolate. Boom. Which is which is always good, Mr. Barker. Thank you for doing this. We will be back tomorrow. Three baseball games to break down. Talk about the Jays as well. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.